don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. From rugs to pillows, cotton to polyester, today on Big Design Small Budget, we are talking textiles. I'm Betsy Helmuth, and let's get into it. I love working with textiles because you can add a quick color splash. They're really affordable. You can mix them, have fun. These are the things I love to change out and swap. Forget about changing out a sofa, changing out a coffee table. Let's do those throw blankets, those throw pillows, having fun, catching one when it's on sale and would go well with your decor and just doing it. So that's what we're gonna talk about today what to look for in those fabric pieces. But I am going to tell you something a little bit unexpected. When I am sourcing for clients, those fun items, those items that I buy so interchangeably for my own house, those are the items I have the hardest time finding for my clients. I know all the good coffee tables. I know the perfect sofa. There's less options. But when I'm looking for an amazing pillow, there's 3,000 to pick from. When I want that perfect rug that's gonna serve as a piece of artwork for the floor, oh my goodness, I have to sort through sites upon sites upon sites. So it can be very overwhelming. And while it's where I have the most fun, it's also what's most daunting for me. And as I'm working on a client list, it's also what I save till the end because I know it's going to be a time suck. So today, the information that I'm going to give you is going to help you find these items in half the time with a very savvy and specific frame of reference. Let's talk about it. Let's add pattern, pizzazz, and plushness with your textiles. Before we dive in and I start sharing all those secrets, something happened this week that has really moved me emotionally and I needed to reach out and say thank you. So let me just say a quick thank you to someone who wrote in on my podcast page, which is bigdesignsmallbudget.com, and her name was Elizabeth. And she wrote me this um, as a comment to the anniversary follow-up episode, just to be specific. She said, thank you for the follow-up on the Billionaire Project. This is by far the most beautiful space in your portfolio. That carpet, those pillows, and the way they interact with the rich, captivating blues in the painting. I also love how reminiscent the pieces are to your logo, which makes me think that this project allowed you to explore your design sense in a way you haven't before. I'm sorry about the letdown at the end of the project and the monetary loss. However, if you think of this room as a fine art installation, its beauty was only meant to last a few days, but it can be enjoyed forever in pictures. Elizabeth. So this week, I was actually dealing with the billionaire, and he finally paid his invoice from December, and I felt like I could really put the project behind me. I was feeling a closure financially, a closure transactionally, but emotionally, the wound is still fresh as if it just happened. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, oh, go listen to the billionaire episode and then the anniversary follow-up episodes, which are just filled with devastation for me. But this 
comment on my blog really gave me that emotional closure I was seeking. As some of you may or may not know, my real name is Elizabeth. I go by Betsy. And it was as if this little Elizabeth who left this comment on my site was like a guardian angel telling me to heal myself of this situation, that I've done everything I can to move forward, and maybe there is a beautiful takeaway. And it really helped to know that somebody else saw the beauty in the project because he certainly didn't. So Elizabeth, whoever you are, wherever you are, I wanted to let you know how much that comment touched me and how much it really changed my perspective on the project. So thank you for taking the time to not only really think about what you wrote, but then to share it with me. Because I think it's going to be my new, my new finale, my element of closure on the billionaire debacle. All right, time to talk textiles. Let's move on to something a little bit lighter. So this week also, I had a client call me maybe two days ago, and she said... I've worked with another designer. I really wasn't happy because I wanted them to find me some drapes that were amazing. I wanted them to find me drapes that would really bring my entire room together. And I was disappointed with the selection. And I heard her. And if that's what you're telling your designer, then they should be focusing on the drapes. But I worry about focusing on drapes being an element of textiles. And the reason is because... Drapes can be a beautiful color splash, but there's very few retail selections that are amazing, that you're going to step back and go, wow, look at those drapes. That's typically a custom situation. Most retail drapes are solids, and while you can find beautiful textures from velvets to linens to just plain cottons or twills, you're really not going to find that many astounding patterns that are going to blow everybody away. That's more of an Etsy thing, where maybe you find some custom fabric and then find someone to sew it. The other place where I think you can get a lot of wow factor drapery is anthropology, but you're going to pay for it. And by pay for it, I mean upwards of $200 a panel. So I was telling her and sharing my thoughts that I don't believe drapery needs to be amazing. I do think it's critical and can really add a beautiful element of color and texture to a space. But I really think when it comes to drapes, you should be fine with basics. And by basics, I mean a beautiful solid made out of one of those nice textures we were just talking about, or a very subtle pattern like a geometric, a Moroccan print, or a trellis pattern that's just a color within a neutral overlay of that repeated pattern on top of it. And you can get amazing options for those geometric prints at places like Overstock, Sears, JCPenney. Personally, that's where I've gotten every single drape for my home, and I love them. And everyone always comments, oh, Betsy, I love your window treatments. But it's not like they need to steal the show. So that would be my recommendation, especially if you're looking for something that has other features, like blackout or soundproofing. It's going to really narrow your options, and you're just not going to find those wow factor fabrics that you were hoping for that also have a real function behind them. So that would be my discussion on drapes. 
Oh, two other places. If you are looking for affordable patterns, you want wow factor, and you're not believing me that it can only be achieved on Anthropology or Etsy, I would recommend looking at Pottery Barn, ideally their sales section, because that can get pretty pricey too. And I do like Pier 1. I have been very pleasantly surprised with their selection of patterns, and so I'm more open to looking there for drapes. It's definitely a place I go when I know my client would love to get a little adventurous. Let's switch our textile conversation to rugs. So a lot of you know my rug uh, rants from my rug episode that I do think rugs should have pattern because they help to conceal all the stains, etc. Something that makes me so queasy is when I walk into a client's home and they tell me that they want to buy an heirloom rug, a rug that they'll pass down generation upon generation, a rug that will need to be custom cleaned every two years. For me, I just worry, especially if those people have pets, there are some stains that you just can't get out of rugs. Let's keep it real, people. I have a dog. I had a very naughty cat for many years. Those stains don't come out. So I really hesitate to invest a lot in rugs because I think they should be more interchangeable. When they're trashed, they're trashed. And I don't feel like you should hold on to it because it was expensive if it can't be properly cleaned. And even with those cleaning services, sometimes it just doesn't get really deeply removed. So consider a rug a place to have a lot of fun. Like I was saying, bring in that really bold pattern or bring in a texture that's super cozy. I have, over the years, softened to shag rugs. And even though they are a little bit more maintenance and tend to shed, there is just a fun experience to be had with a shag rug in a bedroom when you get out of bed and your feet hit that plush surface. Or for instance, in my office, under my armchair, I have a super plush circular rug and sometimes I just like sitting in the chair so I can put my feet on the rug. So I'm more open to that now, especially if it's affordable because you cannot get a shag properly cleaned. So when we're thinking about rugs as textiles, think of it as a place to not spend too much. Have a little fun. If somebody spills their wine while playing Twister, it shouldn't be the end of the world. Don't consider them too precious. Instead, look for something that has a nice stain concealing pattern and that's scrubbable. I love a synthetic rug, something acrylic, polyester, nylon, as long as it has a pile height of over 0.25 inches. Over a quarter of an inch is what I'm looking for when I'm talking about pile height because that will make it look a little bit more luxurious and a little less synthetic. But those synthetic fibers are going to give you the best ability to clean much better than a wool or one of those cotton mat style rugs that's pretty tough to clean at the end of the day. And I do try and avoid a sisal or jute just because they're not that comfortable. You see them in a lot of beach homes. You see them in a ton of beautiful high-end pictures, for instance, in Architectural Digest or El Decor. Certainly in the Hamptons, you see a ton of those rugs, but they're just not comfortable. They're foot exfoliators. They are not beautiful, comfortable area rugs. So there we go. That's my thought on rugs. Let's move over to pillows, another favorite textile of mine. So I do think you should have at least four pillows on a sofa. 
I don't typically do four different pillows. I typically do two sets of two. One of the sets of two pillows would have a pattern, and the other set of two pillows would have a really interesting texture, be it a basket weave, be it a tucking, be it even a tufted look. Something that really sets it apart and makes you want to touch it, while the other one has that visually appealing pattern. On armchairs, I'll just go for one pillow. Typically, I like to shake it up. If I have square pillows on my sofa, I'll do a lumbar pillow on my side chairs. But one thing, and this is just a personal pet peeve, I have no idea how other designers see it, but if I do have a pillow that's an unusual shape, for instance, a circle or a rectangle or something odd and unexpected like that, I won't repeat it. So I won't do two lumbar pillows or two circular pillows. I'll make it its own thing and just have one. So I do feel that you should spend a little bit of money on a pillow. I really don't flinch at a pillow that's $100. Anything over that starts to get out of my comfort zone, but you can really get some beautiful pieces of art for your upholstered furniture if you look. And the other great thing about pillows is you can find them to be quite affordable as well. West Elm has amazing options, even on their sale rack, for under $20. Pier 1, again, they have great textures, they have embroideries, they have beaded pillows, which I think are really interesting, especially on an armchair that doesn't get a lot of traffic, because beaded pillows aren't typically that comfortable. So I don't tend to put them on a sofa or someplace where I'm gonna flop down and take a nap. I prefer them on more structured seating where you can afford to be a little less cozy because you really just wanna be cute. So if you are afraid to buy art, throw pillows are your jam. It's a safe place to take a risk, to get that interesting shape, those lines, those textures, without spending a lot. So push yourself with the pillows. Really go somewhere unexpected so that way, especially if you're spending a lot, you can get that wow factor. Your friends will walk in and say, whoa, where did you get that? Now let's talk about textiles in the bedroom, specifically bedding. I think I've told this story, but I don't think I've told it to the full extent. <laughs> Can you hear me blushing through the airwaves? So when I first moved to New York City, I was super poor. Super poor. Well, let me preface this story by saying that uh, I am not a betting snob. People are always asking me, Betsy, what thread count? Betsy, do you go to expensive companies like Frette? No, no, I don't. I think betting should be comfy, cozy, visually appealing, but I don't spend a lot, nor do I value personally high-end bedding, and perhaps this is why. So when I moved to New York, super poor, dumpster diving for furniture, I got my first sofa from the dumpster, I got my first bookcase from the dumpster. New York City is a dumpster diver's dream because the sidewalks are littered with big, bulky furniture, especially if you're looking around the East Village, which was my favorite place to dumpster dive, and especially at the end of every month, because that's when everyone's moving. So around the end of every month, I would hit the sidewalks with my backpack and scour for interesting things, from books to bedding. So I also did get my first sheet set from the sidewalks of New York. 
And anyway, <laughs> that is not recommended. That is not what I put out there. But I'm just putting this out there to say if you're someone who values high-end betting, this may not be the segment for you. But I'm not picky on thread count. I'm more picky on texture because I don't want my bedding to look wrinkly when I pull it out of the dryer. And I do not have time to iron, nor am I going to hire anyone to iron my duvet, my quilt, or gosh forbid, my sheets. So I'm always looking for something that says wrinkle-free, or I'm looking for something that has a texture, like a duvet with a tuck or a ruching, or a nice thick quilted blanket whose quilts are quite deep so that way it appears to have a texture even if it's relatively flat to the touch. I just really want something that's going to hide wrinkles. And so when I'm looking for sheets, I specifically type in on Overstock wrinkle-free sheets. And I'll put a link to my favorite Overstock bedding because there's a duvet there that should be absolutely not missed on my podcast website, bigdesignsmallbudget.com. So go there to check out my favorite Overstock bedding. But I have softened on something that I'd love to tell you about because in previous podcasts, I have been really up on my high horse about white bedding. I think it's so important. I would always say go ahead and do a colorful duvet or quilt, but make sure it's on a foundation of white sheets. And one of my designers, Rachel, has recently steered my attention to patterned sheets. For her clients, she loves to add a ton of accent pillows, and she loves to really mix textures and layers, and it's just so foreign to what I do, which is sheets, two pillows, and a quilt. So I've been watching her lists for clients, and I've been really envious of all these beautiful patterned sheets that she's been mixing together. So now I'm a huge fan. I recently got an amazing sheet set from Pottery Barn that has the most adorable print for my daughter, and I'm just down with it now. I am down with patterned sheets, especially with a coordinating solid in terms of a duvet or quilt. So now I'm transitioning all my bedding to patterned sheets, and I wanted to share that with you because I have been so impressed with how fun it is to mix the patterns on guest beds, on my kids' beds. I'm constantly swapping and from Thomas the Train to stripes to polka dots to little checks. I wanted to share my favorite brands with you too because as I've been experimenting, oh, I'm so risky with my textiles, as I've been experimenting in the bedroom with patterned sheets, I have noticed that there are a few brands that are really catching my eye. First of all, I love PB Teen for kids' sheets. Even if you have little kids, PB Teen has so many more interesting patterns than kids' stores like PB Kids or even Land of Nod. So I'm constantly checking in there to see if there's something amazing on the sale rack that I must have. In terms of really sleeping on these things, I am loving Ralph Lauren, Donna Karen, and Nautica. Those have been my sheet sets of choice, and I have not been disappointed. And I got my most recent Nautica sheets from Overstock. So there you go. They were still very affordable. And those are my recent thoughts on textiles. Do you have textile questions? Are you dealing with a fabric that you're just unsure of? Write to me. Send in your question to Betsy at AffordableInteriorDesign.com or go to BigDesignSmallBudget.com. You'll find a little section there called Ask Betsy and there's a little form you can just fill it in and send it away to me. 
Now, before we get into the old mailbag and answer some of your questions, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Wish you could get my help designing your space but don't live anywhere near the New York area? No problem! Affordable Interior Design and I offer online design packages. Work with me, your host, Betsy Helmuth, for two hours online and on the phone to create the perfect floor plan for two rooms in your space or to create the perfect floor plan for one room and get a shopping list of eight to ten items that you can buy for that room. Together, we'll spend those two hours diving in, determining your style, deciding where everything should go, and then shopping for the items that you're missing in your space, all that fit within your budget. Get two hours of specific, intense, and amazing design time with me for $3.95. Want to learn more? Just reach out at either 917-767-2313 or write to us at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Call today and let's get started making your space fabulous. Now let's get back into it and let's check out your questions. Into the old mailbag. Our first question comes from Stephanie. Hi Betsy, I love your podcast. I listen to it on my commute and find it so inspiring that I always arrive home with more ideas, which is why I think my boyfriend does not appreciate me listening to it. After listening to your podcast on finding your style and after weeks of internal soul searching, I finally landed on boho chic or eclectic contemporary or something. I love crisp white areas with globally inspired accents. Despite desperately trying to nail my style, I think my apartment looks more transitional than boho chic. I remember hearing that you think this style can be really hard to pull off, but do you have any tips on how to achieve this look on a budget? My two cents are that there are two main reasons our place is not getting to this desired style. The first one is that most of our furniture is dark brown wood like Ikea's black brown finish, which I think is giving it more of a traditional feel. However, I really cannot afford to buy new furniture. Our apartment is also on the first floor facing a courtyard and the natural light is limited. So I've tried to make it brighter with white walls and a white patterned rug, but now I'm struggling with the 60, 30, 10 color rule. I've chosen navy, green, and gold to be my colors, but I don't know how to add color without taking away the light of the white that I crave. Also, does gold count as a color or is it a neutral? Do I need another splash of color? Thanks and much love from Boston, Stephanie. So Stephanie, the great thing about your question is you also sent in pictures to accompany it so I can really see what is going on. So guys, when you're sending in your questions, don't hesitate. There's no obligation to have a picture, but it definitely helps me to better understand what is going on and what you're looking for. So looking at your pictures, Stephanie, I definitely agree with you that a big part of the reason why you're not achieving this boho chic style is because you don't have enough textiles. And those textiles will infuse the room with color. The thing about a boho style is that there is an element of fun to it, an element of whimsy that's just really missing from your place. Your place is taking itself way too seriously. And while I don't think that the dark furniture is helping, I actually don't think that it's the main problem based on these pictures. So let's talk first 
about how we can achieve the boho style. And then we're going to talk about what we can do with the light situation. So boho is all about those international accents. And while I see a few international accents with your little ceramic elephant on the ledge, and well, that's about it. That's about it for the international accents. So if you were to have me look at this picture and guess what style you're hoping to achieve, boho would not have been on the list. That being said, we can easily bring it in. So when I think boho, I do think international. I think this room suffers from a lack of color. You're telling me you want navy, emerald, and gold, but I'm only really seeing navy and gold. I would think about bringing in more color with some artwork. Your walls are pretty bare besides one mirror. They don't even have drapes in terms of a window treatment. But let's start with a really impactful piece above the sofa. That way you could even see it from the entry when you walk in. Something that really sets the tone for not only the color palette, but also this style that you're hoping to achieve. Something that takes itself maybe a little bit less serious. So that way you're informing people that no, I don't want to have a transitional style even though my sofa and armchair have rolled arms. I want to go in a little bit of a different direction and treat those as a neutral. So the other way that we can help infuse this room with some boho style is by adding some textures with textiles. I would love to see a really nubby throw on the arm of one of these neutral tan sofas that's in a bold color like that navy. Maybe the navy could be an ombre of sorts. Google navy ombre throws. There are some beautiful ones out there. And maybe you want to bring in some of that beaded texture that I was talking about in some pillows, like maybe a green and blue beaded pillow, because the pillows that are currently on your sofa just look a little bit neutral. They don't have any of that pizzazz or that sort of artwork feel that I think you could easily achieve with pillows from Anthropology or even World Market or Pier One. Those are two places, well, three places, because Anthropology is definitely included, that have a lot of internationally inspired pieces that don't go so themey in terms of creating this world atmosphere. You just want touches. I also love to look at the Pottery Barn sale rack for things that look a little bit international. And there is a website called vivaterra.com, which I will put a link to on my podcast page. But that has some great pieces that are really unexpected. Oh, and just as I was thinking, there's another one. It's called guyam.com. And it has some good ones too in terms of wall hangings that would look really unique and take this room in another direction. Now the problem with the lighting in here is not going to be fixed by having white walls or a majority white rug. The way that you're going to fix this lighting situation is by incorporating more lamps. Because as I can see it here, there's only two for the entire room and I am missing one angle. But those little table lamps aren't doing much. You certainly could use a nice big floor lamp in the corner over there between the armchair and the sofa. Not only does a floor lamp provide more light because it's up a little bit higher on eye level than a table lamp. But also it provides that beautiful undulation that I love to see because nobody looks at a panorama of 
Iowa and is completely inspired. Nobody is putting up a big panorama of Des Moines above their headboard. People are putting up panoramas of New York City, of San Francisco. And the reason is because people are naturally drawn to undulation. Some things that are high and some things that are low. And when I am looking at this living room, I am seeing a lot of things that are low. You have a bookcase, but it's not very tall. You don't have much on the walls. Everything is sort of at the same height as the height of the sofa, and that is a bummer. So let's add some drama. Let's add some visual interest by incorporating some things that are high, like a floor lamp that would let out more light, and maybe even adding drapes to those lonely windows over there because those Venetian blinds are not doing it for me. Anyway, we can solve this room's problems through textiles. I hope that's helped, Stephanie. Keep your questions coming. And guys, thank you so much for listening and spreading the word. I love answering your questions week after week, so keep them coming. And I will catch you next week, next Tuesday to be exact, on Big Design, Small Budget. I'm Betsy Helmuth. A huge thanks to my producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the Embassy, our house band, and to our sponsor, Affordable Interior Design, the best place to go to get a beautiful look on a budget. Thanks so much, everyone. Till next time. Bye. Is what?
where you belong. Walking.